Caregivers, have you ever felt like nothing is going right? Well, cheer up and welcome to Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver radio program, where you'll learn how to avoid that dreaded thing called caregiver burnout and how to survive the grieving process. Join Dave and his guests now as they share practice tips and tools that you can start using immediately to help get you through this day. Now, here's your caregiver host, Dave Nassani. From Los Angeles in New York City, a big LA and Big Apple, welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Lane. I am Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver, at caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely co-host, Adrian Gruberg, at thecaregiverspace.org. We're coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on 18 global audio and video platforms like iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher, Blog, Talk, Radio, MixCloud, Listen Notes, Blueberry, Player FM, Plod, Podcast.com, VIP Internet Radio, TuneIn.com, Facebook Live, HealthyLife.net, and my caregiver site, CaregiverDave.com. And we're so proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM and one of the top six best podcasts by Caring.com, as well as number three, podcast out of thousands of caregiver podcasts on Feedspot. And we have an exciting show planned for you today, don't we, Adrian? Yes, we do. Marie Burns. Marie's a certified financial planter. Planter? No, she's a planner. <laughs> Has been advocating for clients' financial health for almost 20 years. Her podcast, Mind Money Motions Mission, uh, is in order to experience less worry and more life, it's crucial to recognize the interrelationship between our mindset, money, habits, and the motion of our mind and body. That sounds very interesting. But before we get started, I want to take this moment and thank my last week's guest, Karen Timmons, mother of three, grandmother of one. And she is an advocate of supporting the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and Survivors of Suicide and she actually lost her daughter to suicide as well. And, and just as a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or any of the other 18 global networks that I mentioned earlier. All right, enough of that. Welcome to the show, Marie. So excited to have you on. Thank you, Dave and Adrian, both. I am thrilled to be here. I think what you're doing is a huge need, a huge awareness uh, effort in this country that's now a little bit underway thanks to people like you but I think it's a little bit like cancer from the standpoint of everyone seems to be touched by the caregiving situation yes. in one way shape or form so everybody needs to pay attention to what you are sharing <laughs> as far as resources and information thank you well, that, that sounded like a plug that's good. Thanks, it's just dude. the truth, Dave. Just the truth. Just the facts, man. <laughs> just the facts. There you go. Well, I always like to ask my uh, guests, uh, why? who is Marie Burns and why was she put on this earth? Oh, boy. That's a loaded mm. question. Yeah, I think we, we try to continue to evolve and figure that out as life goes on. You mentioned in my intro that I'm a certified financial planner. About 20 years ago, I kind of launched into that career. I had a business minor. I was actually a registered dietitian for the first baker's dozen years. So I mm. joke with people that I used to help them balance their diet and exercise, and now I help them balance their finances instead. But anyway, over that time, I have really come to see and believe how your mind set, your healthy brain, and your physical motion, healthful body are very interrelated to our money. And the healthier we are in those areas, the less we have to worry about running out of money in life. So that's a little bit how you mentioned my podcast name, Mind, Money, Motion, came to be. And um, I think from everybody's standpoint, whether they're a caregiver or not, that awareness, that recognition is very um, wise to recognize, but especially for caregivers when Sometimes the money piece is, you know, beyond our control, especially at whatever point we're at with caregiving. We have to still prioritize our mind, health, and our body health as the caregiver. Absolutely. And I just posted this uh, Facebook Live on your page, Marie, so that awesome. your friends awesome. will see it. Thank you. And 
That's that's very interesting. Um, you know, I was telling you before the show that a lot of caregivers are broke. <laughs> they're, <laughs> yeah. they're fired or quit because they they bring their caregiving responsibilities to work and you know they're unfocused and they go crazy, they're isolated, they're not eating right, they're not sleeping right. They've lost all their friends and so they could use some financial advice. Uh, before we start, tell us what is your connection to caregiving? Um, did you used to be one? Do you know one? Are you expecting to be one? <laughs> <laughs> well, probably all of the above eventually, right? But at this yep. point, uh, my mother has been a caregiver for my father for the last several years mm. at home and then now in uh, a healthcare facility. They live out of state, so I'm just uh, trying to be a helpful, supportive family member from a distance, you know, as much as I can be in addition to being there locally in person as I can be. But... So definitely firsthand family experience, watching that mm -hmm. whole evolution and trying to understand what she's going through and be supportive for her. So it was absolutely an education process for me. I One thing I found that, you know, in reading your book, Dave, The One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words, you talked about a grieving process and, you know, not having dealt with caregivers directly much in the past until my mother's situation several years ago, I never would have recognized that that's a big part of what a caregiver is going through. Really? And um, so as a part of watching and supporting my mother, I tried to educate myself. And one of the best resources I've found is Dr. Pauline Boss is kind of a, a guru in the industry of what they call ambiguous loss. It just means mm. unclear and undefined loss. And you both can tell me, I'm sure, how you, you're you going through the he's here, she's here, she's not here. It's not the same life. Mm -hmm. You're grieving your life loss. You're grieving the mm -hmm. person who you're caring for. And it's this ongoing um, constant challenge and, and recognition that you have to struggle with and still remain a caregiver and a person throughout that grieving process. Yeah. So how do you help with the finances or financial advice for your own parents? Uh, how is that working out? Sure. Well, it's like everyone that, that I talk with from my focus point planning practice, which is my financial planning practice. We always have to take a look at what your situation is first. And that I find is helpful no matter how much you have or don't have. So starting with just a big picture of what's in the bank, what what's in IRA accounts or investment accounts, if you have any of that. Uh, the taking the temperature. There you go. They In the industry, you know, they call it compiling a net worth statement. Because before you figure anything out, you have to understand what you have. Or a negative net worth statement. There you go. And that's, <laughs> that's a recognition in itself, right? Yes, right. I used to be so, there. I think we all so did it one time. So looking at the, the income sources and what your expenses are. And I know, Dave, it sounded like, you know, through your experience and you had business and finance background, right, as a business yep. owner and as a degree. And yet life happens and the market or real yep. estate or all of the above. Yeah, a USC uh, degree does not guarantee <laughs> <laughs> success, unfortunately. <laughs> Well, a and yet, Harvard degree doesn't either. That? No. And yet, what you went through, you know, what did, what did you learn in that process? Not stuff they can teach you probably in finance class. I learned everything. <laughs> it forces you to reprioritize, doesn't don't, doesn't it? Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. Totally unprepared. Uh, college doesn't prepare you. Many times the parents don't pre prepare no. you. They don't even teach you how to balance your checkbook. Don't teach mm -hmm. you what to do when you get those credit card offers in the mail that sounds so tempting. Don't teach you in college when the guy in the booth is going to give you a free T-shirt and a hat. If all you got to do is <laughs> sign this, this uh, get a credit card, and then you think, wow, free money, you know. So it's really unfortunate because I, I don't think that the powers that be want us to know <laughs> the dangers because they all profit from it. They all have their hands in the till, unfortunately. 
you know, and it doesn't matter if you're a minor or children, you know, unfortunately, we're all being, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Used? Yeah, <laughs> used, a better word than that. Uh, there's, a, there's a word that starts Tempted. with a P, I think. Uh, what'd you say? Tempted. Um yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting that you're mentioning that because I, I definitely think that is an international problem. I'm an ambassador and a board member for the Financial Awareness Foundation because you're exactly right. We do not prioritize personal finance or financial literacy or whatever you want to call the financial education's life skill that we all need. It's required in less than half of our states in this country as a must learn before you graduate from high school. So we have a long way to go as a country in educating because I think too often, you know, you mentioned you don't typically learn from your parents. Parents oftentimes don't feel comfortable enough and confident enough to teach their kids what they don't think they even know well. So yeah. it's this vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. It's the blind leading the blind. Right. Yeah, and so. there probably is some truth to that. You know, maybe the powers that be, as you say, don't necessarily want people to be uh, educated. And yet I think there's a little bit of a, a recognition from the banking side, if nothing else, that the more consumers know about lending and leveraging and borrowing and saving, maybe better educated consumers are better consumers. So I think there's starting to be a change in that trend, hopefully. Yeah, the problem is that there's, common sense doesn't exist anymore. It's not common anymore. In the olden days, <laughs> when I was a youngster, mm -hmm. um, there was something called wisdom and common sense. And if you didn't have it or you didn't show it, you were ridiculed for it. How, my, how things have changed because oh. it doesn't exist anymore. There is no wisdom. There's no common sense. Uh, everything has been turned upside down. And, uh, you know, the way our government leaders are, are running this government, you you know, uh, since when does going into debt uh, more and more and more and more? I mean, if we ran our lives the way the government runs their finances, we would all be bankrupt. And it just goes on and on. Um, it's it's really sad, but it's, it's a cultural thing. But getting back to caregiving, <laughs> um, you had mentioned... Uh, about Rosalind Carter, uh, she says that uh, there's uh, everyone falls into one of four categories. So go ahead and talk about that, and we'll see uh, how that affects our finances. Because you know a lot of people don't expect to become caregivers, even though it seems like it's an eventual thing. And and uh, caregivers can uh, caregiving can affect your finances drastically. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and you're right; it's it's like planning in general. Nobody really wants to think about it because they think most of this stuff is not going to happen to them. And yet, when Rosalind Carter says you either are a caregiver, were a caregiver, will be a caregiver, or will be the recipient of care, when I first heard that, I remembered, okay, I'm going to go down my family list and just think about my parents and my siblings or myself or friends and acquaintances and everybody that I thought of fell into one of those categories because you don't know about the future, but is very likely to. And so both of you have had the experience and are having the experience, Dave, yep. of falling into one or more of those categories. Absolutely. I don't, uh, I don't say there's four. I, I quote this a lot, uh, but I just basically say you're either going to become a caregiver or you're going to need a caregiver. And there's no escaping it. Caregiving will touch you in some way at some point in your life. So now is the time to learn how to become a caregiver, not after tragedy strikes and you can't don't have time to scratch your head. And, exactly. Uh, well, you know, you know the way I feel is that every everyone is just separate. It's one degree of separation from you and and a caregiver. Everybody knows someone who knows a caregiver who or is a caregiver. So it does touch everyone. Well, and to that end, that's, that's really, whether it's for caregiving or somebody's in the hospital and that leads to caregiving or 
somebody passes away and had been, you know, receiving caregiving prior to or not is is almost irrelevant. But that that whole realization mm-hmm. and common questions related to all of that is what led me to write my first book, which is the before financial checklist. It's what are all the things that I should put into place in a checklist format before I'm in the hospital or before I lose a loved one. And this has nothing Mm -hmm. to do with I'm wealthy, I'm middle income, I'm low income. It has nothing to do with that. It's really about getting financially organized so that suddenly somebody needs to go to the hospital and and make a financial decision for you or a healthcare decision for you. Do you have the power of attorneys in place or are you scrambling around to try to get that done? That's the last thing you need in the moment of stress is to to find those permissions and get that done. So thinking while you're in the calm before the storm and putting those things in place is really what my first um, book, Your Amazing Itty Bitty Before Financial Checklist, is all about. Uh, A lot of people don't want to think about it because it, it, it makes them think about their mortality. Right? It's not a pleasant subject. Mm-hmm. And yet, is it inevitable? Are we all going to die? <laughs> <laughs> is that a question? <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of people act like it's not because yeah. they do nothing. And so tongue-in-cheek sometimes, you know, when I speak about this and use my book as, as kind of the conversation piece, sometimes I'll, I'll title the presentation, Do You Want Your Family to Curse You or to Thank You? Mm-hmm. Because these are really matters that can be prevented. I don't. I'm sure each one of you could say, "If I'd have known, then I would have done this mm-hmm. or that." Yeah, and Anything and everybody, else? everybody, I would go so far as to say, everybody is already a caregiver, because at one point in their life, they must have had a pet. They're caring for a pet, a dog or cat. A They're goldfish. caring for a child, a goldfish. <laughs> Um, they're caring for a neighbor, you know, just think about all the people in your life, Marie, you even, uh, don't consider yourself a caregiver yet, but I bet if you think hard enough, there are plenty of people or animals or things that you cared for and didn't even realize it. You have children? Or children. And, and I would throw my clients into that category. Absolutely. Yeah. That's my hope is that I am taking care of all of them. Yeah, I, I just <laughs> I stumbled across uh, Marie and I both spoke at Harvard. That's uh, and um, uh, let me just read a little introduction in the little Harvard book that they gave us. Marie is a certified financial financial planner, serving as a financial health advocate. She's an author, speaker, and owner of Paper Lifesavers, which is an interesting name. I'll ask you about that. A business that provides short financial checklists, little books that just may save your life financially. Her goal is to help you get the money monkey off your back, knock down that wall of worry, and be free to live the life you love with what you have so that in the end, you have a legacy, not a mess. This is just what caregivers need. Marie's goal as a financial wellness coach is to help you understand what you have, clarify what you want in life, and then provide the tools or partnership you need to make it happen. Over Her overall focus is on your mind, money, and motion balance to help you enjoy the life you worked so hard for. Gosh, she makes it sound so inviting, you know, because most people think of financial analysts. You want to avoid them. On the, stay away from all the lawyers, insurance agents, and financial planners, you know. There you go. Her. Right up there with used car salesmen, right? <laughs> but of course, when, when it comes to caregivers, there are so many of them who don't have any resources. And do you work with anyone who is in a, let's just say, downtrodden, in, in a situation where they have nothing and they want to have something? Or are you just working with people to learn about how to manage their money? Yeah, how broke do you I, have to be before you yeah. work with them? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm always open to talking with everyone, and my hope is that I can help them be better off after our conversation than beforehand, so they're glad they spoke with me regardless. Oh, and certainly... Good. You know, in any business, you tend to have to almost niche yourself and, mm-hmm. and not be too broad and generalist. So I 
tend to work with women or couples over the age of 50, and I'm one that likes to earn my keep. So when I'm talking about my financial planning business, they need to have a variety of things I need to help them with, or it doesn't make sense for us to work together. So I will always try to find them another resource or connect them with other resources that they do need in whatever their situation is. I'm also locally here in Phoenix part of um, an organization called the Senior Advocacy Group of Aotuki. And so that is all about the whole range of resources from needing transportation to the doctor's office Mm -hmm. to, you know, food resources to... Um, healthcare, healthcare advocate, um, you know, resources for the whole gamut all the way up to, yes, I do have uh, wealth and I need to be sure that I'm planning and using that appropriately. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always uh, offering what I call a financial wellness review to help people see the big picture and then certainly share with them where their resources might be that is most fitting for them right now. That's my focus point planning practice. My, my, Paper Lifesavers, Dave, you mentioned, um, I'm actually rebranding that to the Mind, Money, Motion, but Paper Mm. Lifesavers was when I started writing my little book series. I wrote the before checklist and then the after checklist. So the before losing a loved one and after losing a loved one, it's it's literally nobody reads anymore. So these are 15 (laughs) bullet points. Read it in 20 minutes or less. It fits in your purse. They're to-dos to help take the stress out of an already stressful situation before somebody's gone, whether it's yourself or somebody you're providing care for. And it's not financial. It's really um, little mini estate planning things. Too often I think people don't realize that just because you have a will done, for example, or a trust, either one, that you're done. Everything's going to take care of itself. Well, there's a lot more to it than that. You have to be sure everything is titled appropriately so the names of your accounts the beneficiary designations on all of your accounts have to match what you said you want to have happen in the will or the trust. So there's a lot of misunderstanding, and that was kind of my biggest pet peeve over the years in helping people with financial planning. That whole estate planning is the biggest back burner item. Like you had said before, nobody wants to think about it. It's not a pleasant subject, so nobody does anything about it. Mm-hmm. And so this this little book series was my my effort to help reach people with that a lot of misinformation correcting. Um, and so the thought behind Paper Lifesavers was little books, hence paper, that may just save your life financially. So now I've been asked to speak. I'm starting this radio podcast that Dave is graciously agreeing to come and share his caregiver perspective on later this year called Mind, Money, Motion. Because it is... Tied into the mind and the motion. It's not just all about the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a break real quick, so uh, we'll be right back, so don't go away. One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words, Overcoming Unbelievable Hardships, is about Charlene, a stroke survivor. Back in 1996, Charlene was a healthy, normal, very active 52-year-old woman whose amazing talents resemble that of both a Martha Stewart and a Wonder Woman. But all that changed when she suffered a massive stroke that left her severely speech-impaired and paralyzed on the right side. Everyone who knows Charlene is thoroughly amazed at how she lives day by day, month by month, year by year, and with a smile on her face and hope in her heart that everything is going to be okay. Just hear what best-selling author Lynn Barrington has to say about it. If you think you have it bad, read this book. This is a beautiful, genuine story told from the heart. It's inspiring and easy to read. When you finish this book, you'll be able to look at your concerns in a new light. One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words, Overcoming Unbelievable Hardships. Available everywhere. And we're back with Marie Burns and Adrian Gruberg. And I'm Dave Sani on the Caregiver Dave Show. And uh, you're in Arizona. Have you met Tomisa Leiden at the Harvard uh, club when you were there i did funny you should have in arizona and she deals with seniors uh, moving them you two can work together yes she's in the real estate area helping people find their best living option when they have all these senior related issues to be thinking about and um, yeah absolutely we talk to a lot of the same folks so we're 
We're yeah, going to be it connecting takes a village. here in the next one. <laughs> it does. It can, you know, everybody's not an expert in everything, so we need each other to help those that we're working with for sure. Yeah. At this point, everybody's got a specialist in as far as medicine goes, <laughs> you know, for this part or that part of their body, <clears throat> but they need it for their whole life. There were so many segments that people just need to pay more attention to, and it is segmented. It is, and you're right, though, that you have to pay attention. You have to advocate for yourself, right? That Absolutely. That gets the grease. You, I'm sure both of you have had <laughs> incidents where if you didn't speak up, it would have been worse than it is now. Absolutely. So do you have any su surprising things that you've learned about caregiving situations or uh, success stories? Have you counseled some caregivers? Uh, tell us what you know. Sure. I think the, the biggest surprise for me was the whole aspect of the, the degree or the volume of potential negative feelings associated with caregiving. Just looking at somebody from the outside knowing that she has a husband at home that she takes care of or, you know, a family member at home that she spends most of her time or he spends most of his time with. You don't really understand the depth uh, of that experience. And so going through, I went through, um, I read that book, Loving Someone with Dementia by Dr. Pauline Boss mm -hmm. because my father has dementia. But what I found in that book talking about this ambiguous loss thing is the whole book pertains to anybody in a caregiving situation. It doesn't matter if it's dementia or any other kind of incapacity. It's still still the same grieving. It's still the same stress that loss. caregivers feel in all capacities. And the scariest learning for me was the majority of caregivers pass away before the one that they're giving care to. All because we put ourselves on the back burner as a caregiver, right? And we don't take care of our mind or our, our money, our motion. Uh, and so, and then we're stressed on top of that and we're spread too thin. And then our health goes down the tubes. And then we're no good to the one we were giving care to. Yeah. That was the biggest turning point in talking with my mother. I think she she felt guilty about taking any time for herself away from being with my father every waking moment. And I don't know, uh, Adrian, how you handled it when you had two in, in the home that you were helping with from a family care standpoint. I just got lucky and did it the right way. I don't know how it, it just all logically fell into place. So when I came out of it, I wanted to be able to help other people. But I'm surprised you were surprised. I mean, <laughs> to, to, to find out that people didn't realize how difficult it was going to be, you know. It's well, it's way more involved, and I think the whole guilt piece prevents people as a caregiver from really taking care of themselves. That seems selfish. I'm going to leave the person I'm caring for and go work out and uh, have a social lunch with friends. You know, somebody might look at that, or the caregiver usually looks at that and says, well, I can't leave him. I, I'm selfish. his caregiver. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't want to look selfish or seem selfish. Does your mother take care of herself now? Now is the key word. It took <laughs> uh, a year and a half okay. for her to get rid of the guilt. And I think the final click was, was the conversation to say, and she even shared this with my dad, is I'm no good to you. If I'm not here, and if I don't take care of myself, exactly. I won't even be here. Mm -hmm. So it's that whole, you know, all those mm -hmm. adages are so true, those cliches, and yet the whole, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Well, yeah, if mm -hmm. mama ain't, ain't here to take care of you or take care of herself, she's not going to be here to take care of you. So I, I we never have a realized question. That. We have a question from a listener. Ooh. Um, too shy to call in herself, I guess. Heather... Hoffman or Don is. <laughs> uh, how do you get out of negative net worth and provide for basic needs? That's where um, I feel like there are a lot more resources oftentimes out there than we are aware of. And so that's one thing I've learned being involved with this local group is most communities have some area 
um, Agency on Aging as kind of a, a national kind of organization that is oftentimes a good clearinghouse or a good starting point. I know here in Phoenix they have a senior hotline. There's an 800 number on the Area Agency on Aging's website that you can call. You know, they expect everybody to go on online and what they call self-provision these days. But those agencies usually have a number you can call and talk to a person. So you can explain your situation. They are very aware of all of the opportunities, whether it's healthcare assistance or travel assistance or respite care or financial assistance or drug, you know, rebates, those kinds of things. But just looking into and finding the resources uh, is, I think, a huge starting point that can be very mm -hmm. positive. And then yeah. sometimes just making friends, family, church members, community, however you're involved, aware. I mean, think of yourself. Mm -hmm. If, if you, you were ever asked for help from a friend or a neighbor, we very seldom say no. And so I think just being aware that people are oftentimes very glad to help, but they don't know that you need help. You have to and, ask. You right. have to learn how to ask, <clears throat> pardon me, and not be ashamed that you're asking for help. That's right. Or feel guilty about, right. about that. And then a more practical thing that they can do, I mean, if they're in debt and they can't make the payments, they're ridiculously in debt and their credit has already been dinged, you know, they're under no obligation to pay those bills in full. There's something called debt settlement, which in my case, I paid 15 cents on the dollar when I was in trouble. And that got me out from the burden of the debt. And, uh, you know, if you have a lump sum or you can save some money or even make payments, uh, you can negotiate no interest because that only makes it higher and higher. But there are ways to get out of debt um, with a debt settlement uh, coach, you know. And I certainly did it, and I'm living proof that it can be done. And today I'm debt-free, and I'm in stronger shape than I was back in 2008 when I was in a lot of trouble. <laughs> so, yeah. And then I we always recommend uh, Camille Superson's book, um, <laughs> uh, something, you know, free food, free stuff. Uh, well, it's free stuff. There's stuff out there. Oh, here it is. I have it right here at my fingertips. Shameful, shameless, shameful plug, shameless plug. Essential resource guide for mm -hmm. caregivers. Save time, save money, save your sanity. Dr. Camille Superson. This is like an encyclopedia of where to get free stuff, free food, uh, just a bunch of resources uh, if you are in need. And it's it's really good. So many government agencies do all of that. So hopefully we, I have uh, we've answered that question. Yes. I have one more resource for, for her. Um, it's, it's a website that actually is uh, provided by the government, and I was shocked at how robust and helpful it actually is. It's called hmm. BenefitCheckup.org, BenefitsCheckup.org, and you put in your zip code, and then they ask you a series of questions. I did it for my parents. They live in another state. So it doesn't have to be you. You're checking. Basically, they're looking at what um, county do you live in, and they tailor the recommended programs you might qualify for based on your general information. Are you blind? Are you living at home? Are there one or two of you in the home? What's your you know general income range? Those kinds of questions. And it comes out with a report that tells you about medical or financial or housing or utility or various resources specific to your area. And that's a free resource at benefitscheckup.org. That's great. Thank Thanks. you for that. Um, another thing I wanted to ask you is, um, have you found some new positive mindset tips to help caregivers? Because, you know, attitude is everything. Just having a different perspective or a healthy perspective, a healthy attitude, makes all the difference in the world, you know. It's the difference between uh, that glass being half full or half empty. So any tips for staying positive in the midst of negativity? I agree. It's one of the few things we can control, right, is that whole positive uh, aspect of life. And sometimes I feel like it's partially the art of distraction. It takes me back to when my kids were little and when they were doing something that 
I didn't want them to do, I would quickly try to distract them into something else. And sometimes, and certainly this won't work with everybody's health situation, but I know with my mother and dealing with my father's dementia, sometimes it was a matter of distracting him into something that's mm -hmm. going to get him off the, the rant that he's on yeah. about something else. So maybe you make a game out of that and see how quickly you can distract him. Um, but I think the, the overall mindset you have to have is that nobody's going to do this for me. And if I want to be happy, I have to decide what makes me happy and still somehow incorporate that into my life. I, I know myself, I would need a supportive group around me. So I would take advantage of group supports. I would take advantage of your, your membership site, Dave, as an example. Mm -hmm. um, the resources that your robust website offers, uh, Adrian, all of those things to, to keep the positive aspect, the resources and other people going through the same thing out there at the top of your mind. And um, I would be curious what the two of you found that really helped keep you going and stay positive because that's obviously what you've done and, and you're trying to help other people do the same thing. Well, with me, it's my faith. Um, Adrian, what, what do you with say? With me, it's, what it's, say you? Giving, it's giving back. It feels good to give back. Um, it does. It takes your mind yeah. off yourself and your problems. It, yeah, but it's it, when you when I've gotten feedback now <clears throat> from people that really get something from the website, what I worked and intended for them to get, it's it's very fulfilling and and it does make you feel very positive. Um, even though you know what they're going through is hell. Yes. Uh, if we can help them, you know, we have a few people. Certainly everybody talks to everybody else. <clears throat> but my, my feeling is even if the only, even if people are only on their reading and not contributing, mm -hmm. I want them to be able to get something out of it. Right. And maybe they'll get enough out of it to start giving back themselves. And that it's all about the stories and what you're going through. And there's no shame in sharing it. That's I think sharing it and getting it off your chest mm -hmm. is going to help you feel more positive. That That was a big part of it for me. I think that whole ripple effect, like you were yeah. saying, the more you can help someone else, who then they might turn around and help someone else and share yep. the same resource. That was absolutely, I know that was the big, biggest reason I wrote my books is because I was trying to reach more people who then hopefully will have a positive impact on their families. Really help. Oh, I think the definitely. idea that you have of, of the, the little books, digestible bits, right. is it's overwhelming very, very otherwise. Good. Yeah. And they call it analysis paralysis, right? You get the deer in the head, headlights look when they start talking about all these things you're supposed to have in place. And so if we say, okay, stop, there's 15 steps. I bet when you read this book through the first time, you're going to say, oh, well, I've got three of those already done. So maybe you just have one step a month that you want to work on that you don't have done. That's doable. And mm -hmm. you, didn't get, you didn't get where you are overnight. It took right. days, weeks, months, years, decades, and you're not going to get out of it overnight, but you can reverse years of bad decisions by starting to make years of good decisions. But you have Absolutely. to make up your mind to do that yeah, and realize that you've got to take that first step to get to where you're talking about. It's like Some that people old are joke. just How afraid you... to take the first step. They're so paralyzed. So are caregivers yes. so weird and different? Would you give them different advice than you would just the normal client? <laughs> weird and different. <laughs> they I, are. I They're say, a peculiar people. <laughs> some. You're definitely in a different situation where you, you can't just think about yourself. You have to think about this other person at a minimum. But I think they're definitely in a more motivated situation, right? Because... You've already experienced the what if that most people either don't think about or just assume will never happen. Mm -hmm. Now, you've already had a family member with some kind of a health event. That's how you got to be 
being a caregiver. So that sometimes is a more motivating situation from the standpoint of, okay, this can happen, and now what I do, what do I need to do going forward to make it less negative? And again, that's that's where my books are really trying to help people think about even further along than, than they currently are. Again, not a pleasant subject, but this was already stressful. Do you want to make it even more stressful on you if you're the survivor? Or what happens if you go before the one you're caring for? What does that mess look like? <laughs> yeah. Can, right? And how can you make that less messy or less worse? That's what this these checklists are really looking at. So yeah, it's, and 30% of them actually do go before their loved one. Yeah, it's really um, not a good uh, prognosis when you think about all that. Yeah, well, that's why we're here. We're trying to help them to stay alive. Mm. So I understand you were a registered dietitian uh, in our earlier professional life. What did... Yes. What did you learn in that career that can help caregivers who don't eat I right? I think my, yeah, my, my focus back then was same as now. It's very prevention-oriented. So it's not the Band-Aid approach to good health. It's not what drugs can I take, what Band-Aid can I put on. It's how do I prevent dying before the one I'm giving care to, for example. So it's that same proactive, let's take care of it, while we're thinking clearly and put as much in place as we can to make it um, less stressful than already you're experiencing as a caregiver. So again, I think caregivers are more motivated. So whether you're talking about financial or taking care of themselves, they're hopefully at least more listening and open to taking action. And whether it's making sure your health is there, or your positive mindset, or your estate planning so that it's that much smoother and less costly and less taxes in the long run. It's like that old joke, how do you eat an elephant? Mm -hmm. The answer is one bite at a time. So just Excuse like the book. Excuse me for a second. Sure. The book breaks it down to little steps, and that's what you have to do whether you're trying to be healthier or have a more positive mindset, you have to pick one or two activities that you're willing to commit to and work on those one thing at while a time. We're, while we're chewing on that elephant, we're going to take a break. So we will be back. Don't go away. We are a community of caregivers that understands and supports you wherever you are in your journey. We are a place to connect with other caregivers. But more importantly, a place to get practical, actionable help. There are lots of ways for you to get support. First of all, you can download our welcome pack. This will get you started on your Thrive journey. Next, you can ask and get answers to your questions by posting them here in our private Facebook groups. You can also get live online support by attending one of our live weekly Connect webinars. You can get practical, actionable advice by listening to our weekly podcast. You can hear and read other stories about other caregivers' experiences. Plus, add your own in our weekly Share Your Story forum, posted every Tuesday in the Facebook group. You can access essential resources and download practical Thrive Solutions Packs, all of which are geared to help you thrive as a caregiver. You can get lifetime access to all of our resources. Again, we're here to support you and help you thrive and to enjoy your life as a caregiver. And remember, this is a place to get hope, not just cope. And we're back with our guests, Marie Burns and Adrian Gruberg, and I'm Dave Nassani on the Caregiver Dave Show. How do you, how do you help educate others about uh, helping caregivers? Do you do that? I'm assuming you do that. Yeah, I, I've, I've seen a continued uh, increase interest in the need. I started out over the last year offering widow retreats. It's a one-day, same concept. We talk about the mind, money, motion aspect of being a widow. And I had a majority of the widows present that had been caregivers previously. And I actually had a couple of women that said they felt guilty coming because 
they are not widows yet. They're caregivers. And they wanted to come to understand and learn. So Smart. I'm looking, yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at offering these one-day retreats as a caregiver retreat. The tricky part there is always, can you get away from your caregiving duties to come to Exactly. Yeah. I would love to promote that. I've always figured out how to do that, and you know, do I have the resources and the time to to organize one? And I don't. But um, gosh, that's that would be great. And let me know when it's, you get that off the ground, because okay. I would help you promote that. Yeah, it's definitely uh, a need, and you know whether. And it's this whole overarching mind, money, motion theme, whether it's I'm talking to widows or caregivers or women. It's it's all self-care, awareness, and what you need to do to take care of yourself, hence also takes care of your um, person that you're caring for and or your family in the process. Um, so it's, it's a common theme that really applies to... And Dave, I he keep hating to, to say just women. I think you're in the minority, though, I would guess. I don't know the stats exactly as far I as am. It's 70% aren't most women, caregivers women. Yeah. They say 80% of married men die married. 80% of married women die single. 90% of all women will eventually be solely in charge of their household finances. So because of all of that... It's, it's not me being biased or picking on men versus women. It's me recognizing that women are often the ones left dealing with all of these things. And so They're the, the healthier strong ones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that helps. But the healthier we can keep our mind and our body and use our money as a tool to plan for and weather right. through all of this, the better that experience is no matter what it is. So that um, is definitely something I've been starting to experiment with in different settings. And um, I know as a speaker, when I go to those, I feel like I get more out of it than, than the, the ones that attend because they're so sharing and so um, thankful for getting to meet each other as well as the information. Um, and uh, one of the things that we use for the handout is my before financial checklist book. So... I'll just share some of the excerpts, some of the things that might sound um, basic, but a lot of times we don't have done because we didn't really think about it being a necessary helpful thing. So we had talked earlier about, um, you know, pulling together a net worth statement. And all that is is, and I will have the ladies pull out a piece of yellow paper and start listing down what are your, it's the I own and I owe list. What do you own? Do you own a bank account? Do you own an IRA? Do you own a house? You know, those kinds of things of value. And again, this is just so that you have captured in one place what is there to help me, whether it's you or somebody else later throughout your life from a financial standpoint. Yeah, sometimes reason, you can be able to help people who have a home and uh, – Maybe you aren't that concerned about leaving an inheritance to the children, and then there's a reverse mortgage. They can absolutely, absolutely. Uh, they can pull out a ton of money, stop living like a pauper, and be uh, assured that they can stay in their home for the rest of their lives. That's right. That is another resource that I think has gotten a bad name in the past, reverse mortgages. And uh, that's certainly a viable option for uh, for some folks, depending upon their living situation and their intent, etc. But Without having it all on paper in one place so that you can see what you have to work with, you, you really don't even know what all of your options are. So that's part of the purpose of a net worth statement. The other purpose is I tell people to compile this statement and update it annually and then keep it in your file so that if you're in the hospital or you're gone and you have designated a family member or a friend, to now help out in your caregiving role or take care of things after maybe you're both gone, right. how do they have a clue what there is to have to take care of? So I look at the, the net worth statement as the map. This is the map of what there is. And then from there, the other steps involve things like, okay, if you're in the hospital, who's paying the bills? 
Is it all deducted automatically out of your bank account? Are you writing checks? Are you running into the utility office? What are you doing? And so again, a list of the bills and how they get paid is helpful mm -hmm. to somebody in the event that you end up, if you're the one doing it, aren't available to do it for a period of time. You, do you run into people who have no clue what they're spending, how, no clue how much they're making? Yes, and usually that's one of a couple, not both. Usually, you know how we are when, we ha when we're in a, a relationship, we each have our own department. My husband takes care of the outside stuff and the vehicle, <laughs> and I take care of the inside stuff. Even on the financial side of things, he'll do the banking and the bill paying, and I'll do the investments and the insurance. So everybody's different, though, in how they deal with the money side of their relationship. I'm sure each one of you probably have had a different uh, role or experience because a lot of times it's based on how you were raised or maybe how your parents did things. Yeah, I make the money, she spends it. <laughs> Yeah, well, I I know I'm that I know I know I know. Before before Steve passed, I kept asking him to go over finances, and he just kept saying, "You're very smart. You'll figure it out." <laughs> and I wanted to kill him. Oh, that's not helpful. <laughs> because I needed this information, <laughs> and he said. Uh, no, all the paper is there. You'll find it. You'll figure it out. Well, for a week after he died, we couldn't get into his computer to get anything, any information to figure it out. We were going to need um, some kind of computer financial detective to break into the computer and open the files. And yeah, it was like I was panicked. I knew that he'd left me all this information. But I had begged him to tell me, and he wouldn't yeah. tell me. So and that's another thing. Forensic, a forensic, forensic accountant. accountant. Yes, sure. Yes. And, and a password inventory, just like you said. That's Absolutely. a crucial list in there with the, the net worth statement because somebody might need to know all of that besides just the one person who's normally taking care of it all. That's and right. Updated the password because mine changed constantly. constantly. Oh. <laughs> and, also, and also keep the person who's you, who you plan to put in charge advised of where they can get this information. That's you know, right. Like where you've kept it. Right. You share yeah. this stuff. Don't even, keep it to yourself. I think right. I need to even go if over you my don't stuff. want them <laughs> to know about it now, you at least tell them where to find it when the time comes. Right. Right. They don't need to know it now but to tell them where to find things when the time comes. And then and then the what ifs, you know, what if I need care? What if I pass away prematurely? So the insurance side of things. Maybe you should list an inventory of what policies are there and hopefully there's a filing cabinet or a binder or some kind of filing system that they could find the rest of the details. But at least they know they are or aren't looking for, is their life insurance still in place? Was there a long-term care policy? Who knows any of that unless it's written down, you know, in an inventory. So that's another thing uh, on the checklist. And then the whole looking at your net worth statement to say, okay, bank account. Is it a savings? Is it a money market? Is it a CD? And how is it titled? Right. Is it me? Is it joint? Is it in the name of a trust? Do you have POD, payable on death? On those accounts, what if I'm in the hospital? Do I have power of attorney on right. those accounts? So going through each type of account you have and making sure it's titled like it needs to be and the beneficiaries are who you want to receive the account. Each beneficiary designation, people often don't realize, is like a little mini will on each account. That's where they, that account is going. They need to be spelled out do. very clearly. They do. Yep. So all of that and the, the morbid details, you know, in fact, I think that's one of the titles of one of my chapters is, do you want to be buried? Do you want to be cremated? What kind of a celebration or funeral mass are mm -hmm. you looking for? Nobody knows that unless you've had a conversation and better yet, if you have it in writing, then there's no arguing or guessing about what's really desired. So those types of things are 
are what's in this book to help people think through those and communicate them mm-hmm. in whatever fashion works best for their family. But I'll tell you, in writing is absolutely the best because then nobody can make it up. How many paper lifesavers are there? I have actually a, a set of three right now. My initial concept, whether I do all of this or not, was to write a, a before and after checklist for about a half a dozen different life events. And so the first life event is the loss of a loved one. Right. So before somebody passes away, whether it's you or somebody else, and after, before and after checklist for the loss of a loved one, before and after retiring, before and after getting married, before and after having a child, before and after taking a job. Those are still all in my head and in my files, Um, but this first series is before and after the loss of a loved one. And the third book uh, that's actually coming out should be later this month or next, is the Getting Financially Organized book. Mm. So it's even more robust than just this before checklist. I need and that everybody, one. <laughs> everybody could use that at every age, yeah. right? So the more organized we are, the, the smoother things tend to go. Yes, Adrian's going through a very stressful move. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. I think you should just get a reverse mortgage and stay there and... Uh, yeah, but I don't have um, a, mor- a mortgage, so to speak, that I can have a reverse mortgage on. No, 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 you don't understand. You you apply for, it's, it's like a mortgage. So if you own your house free and clear like you do, you go and maybe they'll give you 80% of the value of your home and they'll give you the cash and they'll they'll have a mortgage on it. But the thing is you don't pay mortgage payments they take the mortgage payments out of your equity and it's a gamble whether you live long enough where they win or you win. Well, can and I pay it back? You can pay it back. Your heirs can pay it back. It 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 could eliminate the stress of you moving because I know how, how stressful that is. Well, I don't and need what I've got, but it is stressful. I know yes. you don't need what – nobody <laughs> needs what they have, but – you're at a point in your life you don't need to worry about, you know, moving and and uh, and you can you can enjoy the space, right? Let your heirs worry about it after you're gone. Hey, what heirs? I'm well, I'm single. The caregiver space is no, an heir. The caregiver space is in the will. So, yes. So if you die sooner rather than later, they can pay off the mortgage and they get all the money. If you die later rather than sooner then you're living uh, the life of Riley, so to speak. And as you get older and you need more help, you can bring in help. Gosh, I, just yeah. think of the weight that would come off your shoulders, Adrian, if you says, I don't have to move. And yeah. you can invest most of it, live off the rest of it, and then that would be the money that caregiver space would inherit to pay well, off the mortgage s- to get the rest I of it. What I would do is take that money, <clears throat> buy another apartment, Mm-hmm. Rent this place well, and use the income. Now you're talking like an entrepreneur. There you go. She's a businesswoman. All right, call Wells Fargo. Okay, that that, <laughs> that problem's all settled. Oh. Well, listen, I can't believe how fast the hour has gone. Uh, Adrian and uh, Marie, give us your contact information so people can get a hold of you if they want to learn more. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, through my website, mindmoneymotion.com, is a great way to reach me. And that's also the name of the podcast. If you check out Phoenix Business Radio X, that's starting next week. Called the same thing, Mind, Money, Motion. And um, my financial planning website is focuspointplanning.com. So either one of those is a a great way to reach me and, and hopefully see how you can connect and find a resource that's helpful to you. Great. And Adrian, it's thecaregiverspace.org. One-stop place to find out everything about Adrian and what she does. And so thank you so much, uh, Marie, for being so informative and helping our caregivers. And for everyone else, we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Caregiver's Caregiver Radio Program with Dave Nassani. 
love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 